0: Monday, March 25th, 2019, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from Denver, Colorado, right here in the Mile High City, and we are back again this week to discuss the world of sports with a dose of common sense sometimes when you listen to your local sports talk, you realize how much common sense is desperately needed. Hey, happy Monday to you. I hope you enjoyed the weekend. I hope you got to watch a ton of college basketball this weekend because there were a number of great games to watch, and I hope you got to see a bunch of them. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show, maybe let us know your favorite part of the weekend. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, DailyDoseSports at gmail.com, or you can find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports, and it doesn't have to be weekend related. If you've got a question, maybe it's even about a specific team. Maybe it's about your team, and you think, no one cares about my team. Reach out to us. We will always get you an answer, and we just might end up using it on the show, but we would love to hear from you. Also, make sure you stop by tpublic.com where you can pick up some Daily Dose gear over there. Just search Daily Dose, scroll down until you see our logo, and there you can find a number of Daily Dose items. We've got t-shirts, we've got sweatshirts, we've got hoodies, we've got coffee mugs, we've got laptop covers, we've got cell phone covers, a number of Daily Dose items. Not only do we have our standard logo, but we also have Daily Dose i gear over there. If you want to look like the Daily Dose i-team, hey, that Daily Dose i-team, that is a rough and tumble group. But if you want to look like those pros, you got to go to tpublic.com and pick up that gear. And if you see an item over on tpublic.com and maybe you're looking at it and you're saying, hey, why doesn't the Daily Dose have that? Reach out to us. We will be sure to add it for you and make sure you can get that order. Hey, today on the show, we do have something just a little bit different for you. We are actually flashing back to a previous episode of The Daily Dose. We are going back to the spring of 2015. We are actually remembering one of Michael Jordan's greatest performances. And we talk a little bit about what made MJ so deadly. Plus, Adrian Peterson was looking for a new team. And we were previewing the 2015 NBA Finals. Between the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I know it's only Monday, but we even have a daily dose top five for you. So sit back and relax and enjoy this throwback episode of the Daily Dose. Wednesday, June 3rd, 2015. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host. Clint Daly, sports writer from Denver, Colorado. Hey, you know, we release a new podcast every Wednesday, and we bring you just a little bit different of an outlook on the world of sports than you're going to get anywhere else. You know, it's not the same nonsense that you get at all these other places. Uh, we give you a little bit of insight, give you a little bit of sarcasm, give you a little bit of humor, give you something a little bit different than you get at these other places. We have actually been called, I know you're, you're going to be shocked by this, we have actually been called the Thinking Persons Sports Show. If you pride yourself on being a little more informed than the average fan you're going to love this show you're going to want to listen uh, to this podcast. Uh, hey, if you want to contact me, and there's a couple different ways that you can get a hold of me, uh, you can hit me on Twitter at Daily Dose Sports. That is D-A-L-Y, Daily Dose Sports. Same word for Facebook. It is just Daily Dose Sports. Uh, our website, if you want to go over and check out the website, we put up new articles every week. We have some polls. We have a couple different opinions, couple different things you might want to check out. dot Wordpress.com. Go over there and check out the website and see what you think. We have some more stuff coming out all the time uh, on there. This week, we have a ton of things to get to. We've got a lot to get to today. Uh, NBA Finals preview. We're going to break down the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Should be a very entertaining Finals. Uh, going to talk a little bit of NFL news. Got some NFL things coming out this week that I think that are, are very, very interesting that we want to keep an eye on. Uh, big news in the world of soccer. Yes, I said it. Soccer. We're going to talk just a little bit about the uh, FIFA scandal that is going on. Got some Major League Baseball we want to hit. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs or, or our Stanley Cup final is going. uh gets started tonight. We'll talk a little bit about that. And, of course, we have breaking news and our most popular segment, the segment you don't want to go anywhere for, our Daily Dose Top 5. You always want to stick around for the Daily Dose Top 5 because we just don't know where it's going. It has a mind of its own, and it takes off in a number of different places. Uh, let's jump right in because we have a lot of things we got to get to. Um You might have saw Tennessee Titans quarterback Marcus Mariota, has the number one selling NFL jersey. He just beat out Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Jameis Winston, who was first overall. And do you know who came in at number three? Poor little old Tom Brady. Tom Brady comes in at number three, says to me there's a lot of people that are trying to show their support for Tom. I would bet, I would bet, up in New England, you're going to see uh just about every single person in that stadium wearing a Tom Brady for the persecution that he has undergone uh rounding out that top 10 in jersey sales this spring uh at number 4 Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson New York Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. we had Rom- Rob Gronkowski on the list uh San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick Des Bryant came in uh Aaron Rodgers was at 9 and then Denver Broncos quarterback Peyton Manning was at 10. Now I just couple other side notes of, of some other players that were up in there. Um, JJ Watt, highest defensive player on the list came in at 12 and the only, uh, you know, veteran non starter in the top 25, number 15, number 15 in the program and number one in your heart. Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, Tim Tebow came in at number 15. Can you ever not be amazed at Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow has some, has some fans out there. Uh, rookies that finished out in the top 25, uh, were uh, San Diego Chargers running back Melvin Gordon. He was at 24. And then Oakland Raiders receiver Amari Cooper was at 25. Uh, going to be a little bit weird. Going to be honest, going to be a little bit weird to see Amari Cooper's jersey on like a C-3PO action figure, but you know, that's how, that's how they do things uh, out at Oakland. That's just how it is. One thing that we have to touch on today, this day in history, where were you June 3rd, 1992? Where were you on June 3rd, 1992? Because that was game one of the 1992 NBA finals, Chicago Bulls versus Portland Trailblazers. The Bulls went out and won the game. But I want, I want to talk just briefly about this game because this was the game that you might remember Michael Jordan gave the, gave the shrug. He gave the shrug over to the, to the TV crew that was sitting there at the game. Um, if you go back in time a little bit, back to 91, the Bulls had won their first title. Chicago had won their first title. And and the reason that I bring this up, obviously we have, you know, the finals coming up. Finals begin tomorrow night. Should be an interesting finals. We're starting to hear those mumbles that we kind of hear every year around this time. Is LeBron better than Michael? Is LeBron better than Michael? I heard Bill Lambier go on a national radio show and he said, Hey, I would take LeBron over Michael. He's, he has a more complete game. I mean, he can rebound. He can pass. He can go down and, and defend in the paint and block some shots. I would, I would easily, I would easily take LeBron. Over Michael. Now I realize Lambeer likes to stir things up and he, he might, mm, might have a little bit of a vendetta against Mike. Mike did kind of end his run up in Detroit, if you'll remember. But you do start to hear these people saying, Hey, you know, when you think about LeBron does have a more complete game, he has a more complete game than Michael Jordan did. And we have short memories as sports fans. We, we get caught up in the emotion of what goes on. I've told you this before. But I want to talk about this game just briefly because, uh, the reason that I want to bring this up is because obviously today, June 3rd was that day. And you know, back at that time, the Bulls had just won their first title the year before and they were starting to become this talk. They're starting to become this, this, this kind of growing sentiment that, you know, Michael's really good, but all he does is, you know, he goes inside and he dunks and they're going to face a team this year in the Blazers that Clyde Drexler, he's kind of more of a complete player. You know, he's a better shooter than Michael is. He shoots better from outside than Michael, than Michael ever did. And when this game started, and I don't know if you remember where you were, I remember vividly where I was at this game. I was at a buddy of mine's house that we had played, uh, growing up together and, and, uh, played basketball, you know, in high school and stuff together. We were watching this game and we're both big Jordan fans, but we're watching this game. And when the game started again, there was this talk, there was this rumbling, there was a sentiment that maybe Drexler was maybe even a little bit better than Jordan, a little bit better passer. He could he could shoot from outside. His outside shot was much better than Jordan's. And when the game started, and and people kind of forget this part of it, but when the game started, it wasn't. You know, we have this recollection that Michael came out and just started chucking up threes. That wasn't the case. He came out and he took two threes and he missed them both. Drexler actually scored two. He actually scored. Uh, it was four nothing Drexler early on, and the Blazers had a lead. It was thirteen to like seven early on. And, and Drexler actually gets a breakaway and, and running down with Michael, he actually gets the dunk, not Michael Drexler gets the dunk. Clyde Drexler was a phenomenal player and Jordan came out for just a second. Phil went to his bench a a little bit early and he put Mike right back in. And that was when Michael started to get it going and he hits a three and he hits another three and he hits another three. And in that second quarter is when Michael just started to go crazy. And pretty soon, uh, Drexler had like seven points. Pretty soon, Michael's got like 24 points. And it's starting to snowball. And I know that there's this, there's this lasting image that we have. Michael finishes the game going six of 10 from three point range, goes for 39 points. Uh, Bulls blow the Blazers out 122 to 89 but it wasn't the story uh, on the last three that he hits there's kind of a pick and roll situation and cliff robinson the the forward for the blazers kind of checks out on and mike and michael hits the three over him that was the final three that he hit and that was late in the game and he turns to the to the broadcasting guys and he kind of shrugs now i know that that after the game they talked to michael and and they said you know you you kind of shrugged you kind of gave us the shrug and and his response was it was just one of those things that i felt like you know i couldn't really control it I was just so hot and and it was just one of those things where I I put it up and it just went in and I just kind of shrugged like I I don't have any control. I don't know where this is going. I got to tell you, as a person watching that game, that is not the feeling that I was getting from that whole thing. The feeling I was getting was he turned to the thing and he was saying, uh, you know, Cliff Robinson checks out of me and you're 6'10", and I'm shrugging because there ain't nothing you can do about this either. Because that was the mentality that Michael had. And a lot of times people forget that. You look at the stats, you get caught up on, oh, LeBron has this, you know, more rebounds, or LeBron has that. You don't understand the killer instinct that Michael Jordan had. He would rip your throat out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a brief story. I don't wanna stay on this too long, but I'm gonna tell you a brief story. There was a player that came out back in the early 90s. His name was Billy Owens. He came out of the University of Syracuse. And he was drafted by the Golden State Warriors very early. Big kid that could handle the ball. And they were talking about him being the next Michael Jordan. And when the Bulls faced Golden State and Billy Owens in that year, Jordan went out very, very early. They scored. They inbound the ball to Owens. And Jordan goes up and he rips him and he scores. And they, they okay, well. Give give them ball again. You know, he's kind of a point forward. He's going to bring it up. He brings it up and Jordan is all over him, smothers him, rips him again, goes down and dunks. Like, okay, he's kind of picking on the kid now. Third time down, Owens brings it up. Jordan is smothering him. Him and Pippen are almost double team. Jordan rips it, goes down and dunks again. And they talked to him after the game and they said, why were you picking on this poor rookie? Why were you picking on Billy Owens? I mean, it seemed like you had a personal vendetta against him. And he said, and this is the one thing that I think people get lost in all the stats and all the nonsense. Jordan said, they were saying before the game that maybe he was the next Michael Jordan. And I wanted to let him know he wasn't. That is what made Michael Jordan the kind of person he was, the competitor that he was. He was mean. And you know who else was mean? Alexander the Great. And he didn't lose. I, you can have the stats. You can have the stat line if you want. I'll take Mike and I'm going to win. Uh, Vikings Adrian Peterson, uh, actually reported to OTAs this week. And, and I, I guess that's a good thing. Cause remember last week he got loose and, and went on that crazy Twitter rant where he talked about, you know, NFL teams don't honor contracts. And, and, and you know, uh, you know, he was talking about how all the player, uh, these contracts with the NFL, they're always one sided and, and he just kind of. I get, I get what you're saying. Adrian Peterson. I I understand what you're saying. NFL players should get guaranteed contracts with the injuries that you have and the physicality of your sport. You, you should have guaranteed contracts, but you know who you should be mad at. You should be mad at your players union. You shouldn't be mad at the Vikings and you shouldn't be taking this out on your fans. Uh, And let's not forget, let's not forget the Vikings have honored your contract. You didn't even play last year and you still got paid. You still got paid. They honored that contract. And also let's not forget that you kind of brought all this on yourself. And and we can sit here and agree and disagree with, you know, was it child abuse? Was it? I don't care. Bottom line is you got into an issue with the law, not with the Vikings, not with the NFL. You got into an issue with the law. You got in trouble with the law for the way this, this situation was handled with the, you know, the, the dealing with your children. The Vikings continued to pay you. So why are you mad at them? He did show up yesterday. Uh There are still people, you know, it, it surprises me. There are people out in the sports world right now, intelligent people, people that if I say their name, you're like, oh yeah, I know who that is. That are still saying, why aren't the Cowboys trading for him? We We covered this last week on the Daily Dose, didn't we? They don't have the money to trade for him. He's, he's asking for too much money. He has, his contract's like 13 million. They have like 12 million and they still have people to sign. You you guys are smarter than this, aren't you? Let's get over to the NBA. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of coaching moves last week, and we had talked about a few of them that might be coming. Uh, we saw a few things break down last week. Once that regular season and, and the playoffs start to dwindle down a little bit, you start to see some of these coaches get fired, get hired. Uh, Chicago Bulls fired Coach Tom Thibodeau last week. Once they realized that no one was going to try to trade for him, we all knew you wanted to get rid of him. Was there really that chance that maybe someone was going to offer you a draft pick for him? Uh, the Bulls yesterday, though, hired Iowa State coach Fred Hoiberg uh, to kind of try to liven up that offense. Let's be real honest. Thibodeau had a very, very good defense uh, over in Chicago, but their offense, I, I mean, even against, uh, you know, Eastern competition. Offense really, really struggled. Uh, Fred Hoiberg, he's a guy that, like I said, it, kind of that Golden State type system. A lot of spacing, a lot of shooting, going to get the ball out. That's the kind of stuff he ran when he was at Iowa State. A- and I think he he probably feels like he can get, you know, Chicago to a first round playoff loss, you know, like he did at Iowa State where they would go out, it seemed like in the first round of the NCAA tournament every single year. Uh, Pelicans, New Orleans Pelicans hired Warriors uh, assistant coach Alvin Gentry. And, you know, there was talk that maybe Tom Thibodeau would take this job down at New Orleans. But from what I heard, Tom Thibodeau is very, very nervous that Anthony Davis, uh, forward Anthony Davis down there with the Pelicans, has no intention of staying in New Orleans. Uh, he had he had been hearing through his channels that Anthony Davis is going to fill out his initial three years with New Orleans and then he's moving on to bigger and better things. So Tom Thibodeau said he had no interest in that job. Pelicans go get Alvin uh, Alvin Gentry uh assistant with the Golden State Warriors. Now, the, the interesting thing about hiring Alvin Gentry, uh, who is a very, very good coach, who is a very smart guy. Uh, but, you know, they're going to want offense down there in New Orleans and they're going to look at Alvin Gentry. To come in and, and, and kind of establish that golden state type offense down there with New Orleans. Here's the problem. When I was watching the Pelicans this year, they need defense. And I know, I know you're going to look at it and say, what are you talking about? They only give up like 92 points a game. Yeah, but they slow the game so much on the offensive end that that's kind of hiding how bad their defense really was and how teams really could attack and get inside on them a little bit. Uh, so he's going to have to come in and, and not just rebuild that offense and get them some offense and, and some things around Anthony Davis. He's going to have to try to get them a little bit better defensively as well. Um, the Orlando Magic might have had the biggest s- surprise with all these coaching hires. They go out and hire Scott Skiles. And, uh, you know, Scott Skiles, he's one of those coaches, that we weren't talking about at all. We're looking at a number of different guys. Hey, there's Gentry, there's Mike D'Antoni, there's, you know, Tom Thibodeau, there's all, there's all these coaches. Was he on anybody's radar until he actually got the job? And then we're like, oh yeah, Scott Skiles, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, But we weren't really paying attention. Uh, Scott Skiles, was a really really good player. And if you're not old enough to remember Scott Skiles, back when he was at Michigan State, he's a very very good high school player back in uh, I believe Indiana. Uh, Scott Skiles was a very very good player. He's very good in the NBA. Did you know that he has a record in the NBA that might never be broken? He does. 1990, he racked up 30 assists in a single game. One game. Not a month. One game. 30 assists. I know, I know. Kobe and like Carmelo are out there just like, assists? What language are you talking? 30 assists in a single game. And do you know who that was against? I'll give you one guess who that was against. That's right. Your local hometown Denver Nuggets in 1990. Who, by the way, still don't have a coach. And still, honestly, probably have no prospects. I think they're just going to stick with their interim coach because they don't want to pay anybody. Mike D'Antoni, probably the best option for that horrible team. Anyways, Scott Skiles, uh, he'll be improved. Here's, here's the funny thing. A lot of these coaches, you know, Alvin Gentry, we've seen him coach a little bit before. Uh, we've seen Fred Hoiberg at the, at the college level. We haven't seen him at the NBA. We know what Scott Skiles brings. We've already seen this movie. We already know how it ends. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you right now. Orlando, if you are an Orlando Magic fan, if you are a, a fan of that franchise, or if you're just an NBA fan and you're saying, oh, will this be a good hire or will it not be a good hire? I'll tell you right now how this ends up. Because Scott Skiles, uh, he's a fiery guy. He is a hard guy. He's a hard coach. So here's what's going to happen. They're going to come out initially at the beginning of the next season and in two seasons down the road, three seasons down the road, you're going to go, wow. Orlando's actually pretty decent. No, they're not maybe, 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 you know, playoff contenders or, you know, finals contenders, anything like that, but they're scrappy. Like on a given night, Orlando will beat you and you're going to see a huge jump in the improvement of this team just from Scott Skiles because he's that guy. He's going to come out and he's going to get them to play extremely hard for about three seasons. And then you're going to see him burn out his players burn out because of him and how hard he burns it. And he does burn it hard. And then you're going to see he probably quits after his third season and is like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm out. And his team by then will be completely sick of him and they'll quit on him too. He will have them playing better to begin with. Make no mistake about that. And then he'll burn out and just explode because we've already seen this. We already know we've seen Skiles do this at a number of places already. Don't be surprised when it happens. Remember you heard it here first. Let's get into the NBA finals. Uh, let's be honest. Uh you know, we, we were talking about last week, uh, you know, Cleveland had gone ahead and, and and swept out their series with the Hawks. Golden State was on the verge of of, of taking out Houston and, and and let's be real honest. The networks and the NBA got the matchup that they wanted. This might be one of the better matchups we've had recently. E- even with uh, you know, we had the, the Spurs and the Heat but let's be honest, the Spurs are kind of viewed as kind of that boring team. I mean, everyone kind of looks at San Antonio and is like, well, yeah, but but they're really boring. Forget for a fact that, you know, forget for a minute that they, they play really, really good basketball. This is kind of the matchup everybody wants. I mean, you have the fun team in Golden State. They're really fun to watch. Offensive, they're up and down. They shoot a lot. You got Steph Curry, who we talked about last week a little bit, who if, when you watch Steph Curry, don't you just get like the feeling that you're like, oh, man. Man, I should have really worked a lot more on my dribble and my shooting, because look what he's doing with that stuff. And and then you have, you know, versus LeBron, versus, you know, you have the, the people on one side, LeBron, greatest player ever, versus people on the other side, LeBron, worst player ever, you, you know, there's no in between. Uh So this series finally starts tomorrow. Doesn't it seem like it's been a month? Seems like it's been a long time since we've had basketball. And don't forget in this series, as opposed to the 2-3-2 format we've, we've had in the past, Adam Silver got back to that 2-2-1-1-1. So it's not like you have to, that 2-3-2, you know, when, when you played two at home and then you went on the road for three and then you, you had the last two at home. I thought that really killed any home team advantage that you had, uh, for the team that had earned that home advantage, uh, because going on the road for three straight games, it might all be over. You may never get back for your for your you know second two games. So uh getting back to the two two one 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 format is much, much better. I think it's more balanced for both teams. Uh they split the regular season. They played in the regular season. Uh granted Cleveland did not have all its players when they played, kind of blowouts on both sides, uh, but they they split during the regular season. I want to talk a little bit about this matchup though. Uh both head coaches are rookies. You know, Steve Kerr had taken over for, for Mark Jackson and took Golden State and gave them the best record in the NBA. I told you uh, Steve Kerr was my vote for coach of the year. I thought he just had a phenomenal year. I, I realized that Mark Jackson had this team playing very, very well. It seemed like Kerr just took it to a different level, though, uh, and, and kind of turned this team loose and let them get going. Um, on the other side, uh, David Blatt mostly European experience. He's, you know, been Israeli league. He's been over in the Russian league. He's, he's done a number of things over in Europe, Uh, but a rookie coach coming over him, uh, you know, coming over here to, to the States and, and jumping into this situation. Don't you just get the feeling? Don't you get the feeling like in this series, if things were to go bad, we could just see LeBron go up and fire David Blatt right on the spot. I totally feel like we might, we could see that we could see that now something is going to have to give in this series. Something's going to have to give because the Cleveland Cavaliers are allowing 93 points per game in the playoffs against these teams. I want you to think about these teams. Boston, who, who let's be real clear, shouldn't even be in a playoff scenario in any league ever. Um Chicago, who, uh, again, if we're honest, struggles to score probably at practice just in the gym by themselves. And then Atlanta, who is just pretty banged up. Uh, Golden State is scoring 104 points per game. And they did that against New Orleans, who I talked about earlier, doesn't, isn't very good defensively, but they don't, they just don't let you have very many possessions. Against a very, very tough Memphis team. Memphis, Memphis to me is a a little bit comparable to this Cleveland team. Um, they, they go inside probably a little bit. They're, they're pretty tough inside. Uh, I think golden state is going to have to rely on that experience of playing Memphis earlier in the playoffs. And then that last round against Houston, golden state averaging 104 points per game. So something's going to have to give because that's an 11 point difference. Cavaliers are allowing 93 points. Golden state is scoring 104 points. Huge difference. I want to talk a little bit about the injuries that we have to both teams. Obviously, uh, injuries wise, Cleveland has Kyrie Irving who is, who is suffering from knee tendinitis. Now I don't know. I don't know exactly what the deal is with the knee tendinitis that Kyrie Irving is facing. I'll be honest. And I have heard some, some, you know, some rumors and some murmurs uh, coming out of Cleveland that there are people within that organization that are beginning to doubt a little bit of Kyrie's toughness. Cause let's be honest, just about every player playing in this series has knee tendonitis, and I don't know if it's just so severe or what the situation is, but I'm, I'm looking at this going, okay, uh, dude, everybody has knee tendonitis. Why are you sitting out so many games? Um, Kevin love obviously is out. Did you hear about Kevin love? Because we all saw the injury he had back with Boston and the shoulder issue with Kelly Olenek and all that. Apparently, you know, he had the surgery to repair the shoulder. He, he's, you know, Pretty much out, anyways. There was talk that maybe he could come back, but I don't think that was ever a possibility. Did you hear that during the celebration of sweeping the Hawks in a celebration with one of his teammates, he re-injured the shoulder? If there, I'm not a guy, I'll be honest. I'm not a guy that believes in like curses. That believes in like, well, there's the curse of you know the city of Cleveland. There's a curse. Remember there was a curse at Boston back with with the Red Sox and all that stuff. Curse of the Cubs and the curse of this and the curse of that. I'm not a big believer in that, but when you hurt yourself in a celebration, you start to wonder, maybe just, maybe they're just not very bright. I don't know, but really you hurt yourself celebrating sweeping the hawks. Like that's, (laughs) I don't know. Only Cleveland. That's that's all you can say, Cleveland. Uh, over on the other side, Golden State. Uh, I, I worried a little bit about Andre Iguodala's uh, shoulder. You know, when he had hurt that uh, against Houston, they say that is not going to be an issue. Of course, they say nothing is going to be an issue. Uh, you know what else isn't going to be an issue? Steph Curry and Clay Thompson's concussions that they had. And and Clay Thompson. I I, I realize Steph. Maybe he had one. Maybe he didn't. I think he probably had, a, you know, a minor one. Clay Thompson was bleeding out of his ear. You're not in a heavyweight prize fight. Why are you bleeding out of your ear? And then you say he didn't have a concussion. He got kneed to the skull and they said, Oh, it was a cut to his ear. Well, well, that's great. If someone had pulled a switchblade and cut his ear, but he got kneed to the head. Don't tell me he wasn't a concussion. It was a concussion. He went home. He was vomiting. He he was he had a concussion. But it sounds like they will be back. We'll see uh, how all these players end up playing and if they all end up playing. Um, you know the one thing about LeBron, and we talked a little bit earlier about LeBron. Uh, you know where does he rate and that kind of thing. Here's the thing: if you lose this, you are currently two and three in the finals. He could go to two and four. At best case scenario, he's he's going to be even 500, but you could go to two and four. I realize he has carried a bad team to the finals one time when he was with Cleveland. That was not a great team that he took to the finals. And, and they got, you know, thumped like like they probably, I guess, should have. But, you know, the loss against Dallas when he was down with Miami and that team was loaded, his team was loaded, and they faced the Dallas team with Nowitzki and that. He didn't even play very well in that series that's the one that always kind of sticks with me. When people start talking about, you know, greatest ever, that's the one that sticks with me was that Miami Dallas series. When, when Dallas just, just kind of dominated them, LeBron never got going. Didn't seem like he, re- he really was, you know, able to just take over. I mean, everybody's like, he's so, he's so much bigger. He's so much stronger. Well, where was he there? He averaged like 17 points a game. Um, you know, he he's never going to be a- above Michael. He's just not. And we talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, for one thing, Never forget. He's wearing Michael's shoes. Uh, but you know, if he loses this series, I I think he could kind of even drop a a little bit from where everybody kind of has him. I think people are starting to get him up on that Mount Rushmore of NBA players. You know, you've got like Bill Russell and, and Michael and Magic. And I think they're starting to maybe etch out a little spot for LeBron. I don't know if he gets to be up there. I know for me personally, he's not up there, but that's just, that's just me. But but I'm old enough that I saw, uh you know, Larry Bird play. I'm old enough that I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar play. So so I'm not so young that I just sit there and say, oh yeah, well I guess he's the, he's the best I've ever seen. So put him up there. Yeah. Easy. I don't think so. But but if if this does happen and and he were to somehow lose this team uh, to this team, you know, Golden State and all this, I, I think it, it it does hit the legacy a little bit, doesn't it? it has to. Here's here's a couple things that I want to watch in this series. Because I want to watch the matchups. Uh, again, we we pride ourselves here at the Daily Dose on being just a little more informed than the average fan. I don't want to just go out and go, Let's look. How's LeBron? I I, I want to watch the matchups. I want to look at a couple things. And I think that people are misjudging this series a little bit because I keep hearing rumors, even from the you know the brilliant talking heads that are out there on on, on huge networks, and they're saying now if Kyrie, uh, you know, plays, I think the Cavaliers have a chance. But without him. I I think they're really going to struggle. I'm I'm completely on the opposite of that. Because I think Kyrie Irving is such a liability on defense right now, especially with his knee or his ankle or whatever seems to be bothering him on that on that particular day. Here's the question that I have for you. Who does Kyrie Irving guard? Who does he defend? Obviously, uh, size-wise, you say, well, you put him on Steph. You can't put him on Steph Curry. Steph Curry is going to light him up. You want to talk about uh, having, you know, that finals game where you go for 45 and you break all kinds of three point records in a single game. Try putting Kyrie Irving on Steph Curry because that's what's going to happen. I don't think that goes well for you. And I don't think you can put him on Klay Thompson because I think if you put him on Klay and I I haven't been hugely impressed with Klay Thompson in the playoffs just yet, but I think Klay Thompson would say, I'm going to attack you and I'm going to go to the basket. And I think he could probably have his way in in that way. Uh, I think they're probably going to have to try to hide Kyrie, play a little bit of kind of zone. And they're going to have to try to hide Kyrie and put him on someone like Harrison Barnes. And just hope that Barnes kind of plays passive. Now, on the other side, I want to see not what LeBron does. I want to see who's guarding LeBron. Because we talked a little bit last week about the, the Cleveland Cavaliers offense. And we talked a little bit about what they basically do is they're going to come down. They're going to run some sort of ISO for LeBron. They run more ISOs than anybody and it's not even close. They're going to ISO LeBron. They're going to put shooters on the backside. They're going to, they're going to let him just kind of go one on one. And all he does is he's going to read and react what the defense gives him. If you run at me, I'm going to look for the shooter to kick to. If you don't run at me, I'm going to dribble until the double team and I'm going to see if I can get off a good enough shot. You know, I I I want to see do they put Draymond Green on him? I think that's who they'll start at him. But I think you're going to you're going to see Klay Thompson on him. The the only issue I have with that is that's going to wear him down offensively. You're going to see uh Klay Thompson struggle at, at a little bit at the, at the offensive end because he's putting so much into his defense. I think primarily you're going to see Draymond Green and you're going to see Andre Iguodala trying to play him. And and we're just going to have to to see how they play it. Uh, I, You know, I talked a little bit last week about help and recover and I, I received a tweet from someone that said, I'm not sure that I understand what you're talking about when you say help and recover. Here, here's what I want you to watch for. LeBron goes isolation. Usually on one side of the court, he likes, he likes it maybe out at the wing. He might even get it in the mid post, but he's over there by himself while everyone else is on the backside, maybe top of the key. Let's say uh, that Draymond Green is guarding him. So he's defending him. Um, and you've got like Steph Curry or someone over guarding J.R. Smith. Uh, Steph is going to, you know, kind of cautiously run at him. He's going to come with his hands up to try to defend that skip pass. And they're basically going to try to force LeBron into either a quick shot or he's going to have to skip it to an open shooter. Now, I told you last week, the issue isn't with the help. Steph can get over there in time to to at least force a decision. Like We talked about read and react. They can make him react. Here is what you have to see when he reacts. So say he skips it back to Jr. What I want to watch is I want to watch, does Golden State rotate other players? So I'm just going to find the nearest person to the ball and you cover that shooter so he doesn't get the shot up. Or are you going to depend on someone like Steph Curry to turn the 180, turn his body 180 degrees, sprint back, recover with a high closeout to where he can contest the shot and he can be balanced enough to guard against the dribble penetration. That's what I'm watching for. When you watch this Cavaliers offense, keep an eye on that. When when LeBron goes iso, what's the read and react that he that he uses? And then how does Golden State defend it? Do they expect one guy to sprint and recover or as a team are they going to go team rotation and have, "Hey, you're closest to it, you slide over and we'll keep we'll keep rotating until everybody's found." That's what I want to kind of keep an eye on. Should be an interesting series to watch. I think it's going to actually be a really, really fun series. I'm looking forward to it. You know, Golden State, the key for them, and I've talked about this since the, kind of since the playoff started, the key for them is if they play good defense and it's going to be the things we just talked about. If they play good defense, they're going to be very, very tough to beat. Daily dose, our daily dose top five. We do it, you know, every single week. We have a daily dose top five. And I've told you in the past, you never know where this is going to go. Sometimes we're looking at the future. Sometimes we're looking at the past. Sometimes we're just looking at something random. Our daily dose top five today, we're going to look at the X factors of the 2015 NBA finals because we kind of know what the stars are going to do, don't we? I mean, we just talked about LeBron James. We kind of know what he's going to do. We kind of have an idea of what, say, like a, you know, a Kyrie Irving, if he plays, We kind of know what he's going to do. We kind of know what Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, even a little bit like, uh, you know, Draymond Green, someone like that. We kind of know what they do, but who are the X factors that maybe we, we don't know? And it doesn't it always seem like in the NBA finals there's just a, a couple guys that maybe they step up and they have those big moments. I, I think back to players, uh, you know, like like uh, Steve Kerr, or, or you think back to players like it, you know maybe maybe a, uh, a, a Michael Cooper or or a, you know a, a Mark Ivoroni or, or somebody like that. You know, somebody that just steps up that you're like, man, I, I didn't really see them stepping in and playing such big minutes, but they stepped in and, and they played huge minutes. Let's take a look. At the top five X factors in the 2015 NBA finals, number five, number five, you got to look at J.R. Smith. Yes, he always he always seems to be like an eyelash away from just grabbing an AK 47 and going crazy. But I want you to keep in mind in these playoffs, he's averaging 13.5 points per game. He's hitting three three pointers per game and they are those clutch situations when you have LeBron on an ISO, he kicks it and JR is knocking them down. He's hitting those threes at 40% success. JR Smith could definitely be an X factor in this series. Keep an eye on him. Bizarrely, that a former Nick and Nugget could be, you know, somehow in this, in this whole scheme. Uh, number four on our list. Number four on our list. Sean Livingston with the Golden State Warriors. Do you know the story of Sean Livingston? Do you realize where this kid has come from? Uh, Let me give you just a a quick little background on Sean Livingston. Uh, You know, backup point guard uh, plays a little bit of point, kind of spells Steph Curry for Golden State. You know, Sean Livingston was kind of that high school phenom coming out of Peoria, Illinois. Very good high school player. So good, in fact, that he turned down a scholarship from Mike Krzyzewski and Duke to go to the NBA instead. Very good player drafted number four overall in the NBA, uh, by the, by the Los Angeles Clippers in 2007, he had a horrible knee injury. You can YouTube it if you want to. I'm telling you right now, uh, don't say I didn't warn you. It is one of the ugliest injuries I've ever seen. And I've seen some bad ones in that injury. And he was going in for a layup. Uh, he, he kind of just landed awkwardly and the knee just went out from under him, tore his ACL. His MCL, his PCL tore the meniscus and dislocated his knee. His knee goes like a pretzel. And you know, they had legitimate concerns that they were going to have to amputate this guy's leg. Relation to his lower leg. And it was months before he could even walk. They were saying we might have to cut it just below the knee. It was months before he could ever even walk again. He finally gets to where he can walk. He gets to where he can rehab a little bit. He starts to build his way back. Uh, Let me just walk you through where he ended up. He signed with the Heat briefly. He was sent down to the D League. He signed with the Thunder. got released. Went to the Wizards. Was traded. Went to the Bobcats. Got released. Went to the Milwaukee Bucks. Got let go. Went to the Rockets. Was barely there. Got cut. Went back to the Wizards again. Played a little bit, went to the Caval, the Cavaliers, you know, Wizards let him go, uh, went to the Cavaliers very briefly, uh, went to the, to the Brooklyn Nets very briefly and ended up with the Golden State Warriors. He was with nine different teams in 10 years. And somehow, I mean, he, he spells Steph Curry. He's getting about five points a game. Wouldn't it be a phenomenal story if somehow Sean Livingston just showed up and had a great, A great moment in these NBA Finals. Uh, Keep an eye on Sean Livingston. The story to that guy has been absolutely amazing. Number three on our list of X factors that could affect the 2015 NBA Finals. Iman Shumpert. You know, Amon Shumpert has kind of been a little bit forgotten in the trade with the Knicks. Uh, You know, we remember J.R. Smith. We remember them, you know, obviously getting uh, the deal with Mozgov to bring him in and, and become that big man in the middle. But Amon Shumpert, um, keep an eye on him because he could be a very good defender and he's probably going to be the guy that is going to be asked to to defend Steph Curry the most. Uh, Amon Shumpert could affect this series very much with his defense. Little bit of an offensive game to him. He can knock down some shots too on that backside, but watch his defense, especially if he's guarding Steph Curry. Number two on our list, going to stay with the Cavaliers and go with the big man, Tristan Thompson. Uh, because speaking of guys that are going to have to defend, the thing that I like about Tristan Thompson in this series is I think he's a better defender on the pick and roll than Mozgov is. When you go pick and roll and you go ball screen on that, um, if you switch it, and even if you just temporarily switch it, Golden State is so good at finding a mismatch. Golden State is so good. Steph Curry will come off that ball screen and you saw in the Houston series, you know, they'd switch and Dwight Howard's on him. He would back the ball clear out to half court and be like, you, you're going to stay with me. I'm not going to drive and just let you guys switch right back. I'm going to pull you out. Come and get me. And then let's see if you can stay with me. And I don't think you can. Tristan Thompson gives them a little more versatility out there on that switch. That it's going to make it a little a little tougher. Um, I think Mozgov is going to struggle on this a little bit because uh, you know whether it's whether it's Clay Thompson or whether it's uh, Steph Curry, they're so good at finding that mismatch. Tristan Thompson could help. On the other side, he's actually giving you almost 10 points a game. He's giving you about five rebounds a game. He could be dangerous at the other end. Uh, a, a team going against uh, you know Golden State that doesn't have a huge inside presence, they're kind of scrappy. Uh, He could he could be a big big X factor in this series. And number one. On our daily dose top five X factors of the 2015 NBA finals. It's gotta be Harrison Barnes with Golden State. If you saw game five against the Rockets, and I know, uh, the Rockets seem like they really kind of self imploded in that game five. Uh, you know, they, they, they just couldn't get going. Uh, but Harrison Barnes to me was kind of the key. I mean, he goes out, he has 24 points. He has seven rebounds. Uh, he helped out on James Harden, who had a horrible game in that game five. Uh, at six eight, Harrison Barnes can create all kinds of matchup problems. He's too big for a guard. If he's aggressive and he decides he wants to go down the post, he wants to post people up. He's just, he's just got too much size. He's too quick for a big man because he's more of that swingman type player. Where if you do put a big out on him, if he does end up on a Tristan Thompson or or, or, or you know a, a Timothy Mozgov. He's going to be just too quick for him. He's going to blow past him and get into the paint. If he looks to attack a smaller player, and if he is aggressive offensively, I absolutely could see Harrison Barnes taking some of the pressure off, you know, uh, the Splash Brothers, taking some of the pressure off of even Andrew Bogut inside because he's giving them something else. Harrison Barnes is a guy I want you to keep an eye on in these finals. My pick, if I had to pick, I'm going Golden State in six. That's just me. Hey, I have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Daily Dose on your Monday. For all of you that share the show and that give it to someone that you think might enjoy it, that reach out to a coworker, to a family member, to a friend, thank you so much. It really is. It's the only way we get more listeners. That all comes from you, and we appreciate it every single time you do it. Hey, if you're not subscribed to The Daily Dose, make sure you click that little follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss a single episode. Hey, we'll be back to our regular format tomorrow. We're going to discuss a number of things that have taken place over the last week. Got a lot to talk about in sports tomorrow. So I know it's only Tuesday, but we are going to get caught up on a number of things here at The Daily Dose. Hey, I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Monday.